So we would like to welcome RSP or Radio Silent Play to the podcast. How are you doing, man? I'm doing good. Um, thank you for inviting me. Yeah, for sure. For so, yeah. So what have you been trading, man? As of late, I'm going to be honest with you. It's been a little bit tough. Um, if you look at the market, I'm more of a kind of bottom type trader. Uh, one of the things that I like to look at is sectors. I know we were talking a little bit about that prior but if you've noticed, okay, this, the dollar has been extremely strong. One of the key indicators that I look at when I'm looking to get into the market is what the UUP and also um, what the TLT, the bond market is doing. But with that said, I look at sentiment. And if you look, we're heading into what you call the Halloween effect, end of October into the Santa Claus rally. So I think knowing that, I think I jumped the gun um, I tend to kind of sway to, to blockchain, Bitcoin. So my anticipation, once we broke that 64900 on Bitcoin, which was its previous high, I said to myself, you know what? We're, gonna, we're looking at balances of probability for Bitcoin to potentially hit 72 to 110. So with that, I started getting really heavy on crypto plays. I started looking at, you know, miners, I took some contracts, um, Riot and Mana, which they were doing well. But for some reason, I, I was like, you know what? I'm going to stick with those and, and not lock until near the expiration date. When I buy things, I like to buy really far out. So I went contracts with any and then Hive had put out contracts. So I went really heavy on those. So I like I tell you, you know, some of the times you're going you're gonna to make some decisions that are not going to be so great. Um, one of the things that I noticed was that I tend to kind of not follow my rules. One of the most important things, and you guys know this, you have to abide by your rules. But it almost flushed me out to the point that you had major gap downs. And then your RSI, you were completely oversold. But then you look at the chart, you look at the weekly chart, and you start looking at key levels of support, demand zones, and you start saying, wait a minute, I still have an opportunity for this to, to, to go higher. Why would I get out now, sell it to somebody that's going to make money off of me? And then, before you know it, we had a massive pullback. And me knowing, too, 
if you looked at the spy, you had a couple of gap fills there. So it's almost like I really, really got emotionally attached to my plays. And I'll tell you, a lot of people think that you don't lose, but this, these last couple of months have been extremely challenging where you wake up to um, macro news where they're saying, yeah, we're going to taper. And then we had basically that news as far as the pandemic. So mm-hmm. it's almost like they, they gave you a little bit of a rug pull. But even if that, you know, even if you get a 7 to 12% correction, look at what the IWM, which I trade mainly small caps. I mean, you had a massive rollover on that IWM. Yeah. Right now, if I look at my plays, they're all putting in their bottoms. But at the same time, I, I basically, um, you know, I'm, I'm red with a lot of my plays. I think the only ones that I'm not so red are recent ones where I'm seeing these bio stocks start putting in floors. Like I picked up uh, ticker symbol BNGO. I picked up uh, a couple of uh, uh, bio stocks that are bottomed. I picked up that's really cheap. But now think of the plays that you have on the back end and you make maybe three good plays and then the other ones are kind of dragging you down. That's where I'm kind of at right now. So yeah. it's, it's humbling because this this doesn't happen to me much often and I'm going to be out, you know, and, and be honest with you guys, a lot of the plays, like I'm a little, a little down, but today we actually have a lot of stocks that are put in in reversals right now. Mm -hmm. So, um, that's that's something we talked about before is, uh, I'm a big nine EMA guy. So I, I kind of look for when I'm looking for reversals, um, can we reclaim the nine EMA and you're, we were looking before this, a lot of these charts are now reclaiming the 90MA and that's kind of the first step in uh, starting a reversal. So totally agree agree with you there. Yeah, I think uh, I really actually appreciate you being so honest because the last few months have been really, really difficult for the entire market, I think. Um, there's a lot of people out there that are acting like the market is super good right now or easy. And I don't really understand because um, this market is not even as easy to profit in as the market before COVID, in my opinion. Obviously, um, I have some recency bias, but I feel like this is harder than a normal market. Uh, it feels pretty slow. Maybe it's just the cool down from that COVID return market. Maybe it's you know um, inflation. Maybe it's the you know housing market being so crazy. Whatever it is, one of these macro trends possibly, but I really think that the past few months have been extremely hard and I know beginners are feeling that the most, but um, even we're feeling it. I know like RSP just said he's struggling a little bit. I've had some swings go bad more often than I would in a normal market. I know Ant probably has had a few like issues, like a few bad swings. It just happens, but it has been a really, really tough market, I think. Very, very challenging. And one of the things that I like to point out is that we have high expectation and our patience is basically waned. And one of the things, knowing that you're heading into a, a rally end of the year, balances of probability mean for reversals. So what I tend to notice is when we get really impatient, okay, we tend to start forcing things. And I think that that's what kind of caught me off guard. Um, if you look at seasonality since, you know, the inception of, of, of basically the stock market, we've always had a strong market towards the end of the year. I think in 2018, we missed it, but it's still put in its floor in January. Um, 
the thing that I notice, the thing that I notice is that we've we've evolved, um, especially right now in a very speculative kind of uh, way of trading. You're seeing a lot of rooms. You're seeing a lot of, you know, um, forums, Reddit. You're seeing TikTok. So it, if you look at it, there's a lot of groups that are pushing stocks. So for them, they're getting basically the flow of money. Um, right now, people aren't really looking at technical analysis as they would have in the past. Um, I think technical analysis shows emotions, but when you're seeing stocks just like pre-market rally huge and people are still jumping on that, you're noticing the difference between what we used to trade in regular uh, brokerages. Now I call them basically the Robin Hood traders. So some of these guys, they just, you know, obliviously, obliviously go into trades. I had a couple of times where um, traders that don't know much will send me a message and say, hey, man, I, I just picked up uh, Pfizer calls. And it's a 50-50 trade, but then they throw 10 Gs into a weekly call. And next thing you know it, they're up 100,000. So that's great, but that's something that me personally, I couldn't do. You know what I mean? Because yeah. I've just trained so much being so disciplined that it kind of takes away from uh, what other people are doing. Like when a person can throw money into Shiba coin, you know what I mean? And just go really deep into that. For me, I look at it and I'm like, no way. I would, I, I would never buy that shit. But then those are the traders that are doing well during this time. So I think that that's something that we have to kind of consider that the the market has evolved a great deal. And I'm not saying it's a bad thing because what we're doing is we're getting more flow of money. But anytime that I see speculation that high, I know that we're going to get a market pullback. And I should have known this when fun rallied because fun, when I picked up fun, um, I picked it up like, I think it was like low 50, 60 cents. I think 80 cents. I don't remember what price it was, but I ended up tri um, stopping or, or taking profit like around two to three bucks. And I was like, holy shit, this is awesome. But then the stock went to 24 bucks. So that's the type of market that we're seeing right now. And that's the people that, you know, it's hit or miss. You know, that could really do wonders for you. But that shit could, in the, in the later stage, really, really fuck you over. Because then you have those high expectations. And then you tend to throw more money away later on. Yeah, that's a great point, people. Like, <clears throat> I guess maybe you want to call it luck. You want to call it whatever. Say you throw, like you were saying, 10K at whatever, and it does really well. Well, I, when you do that again and you throw 10K at something, it's not going to do so well. Um, it's I don't know if you want to call it luck or whatever you want to call it, um, but that's not really a, a recipe for having um, longevity in the market, in my opinion. Right. I agree. And one of the things that I, I always tell the guys, cause I have a discord and I have a, a little bit of a following as far as like a little mentorship that I do. And I tell them, look, what we're basically doing is we're practicing laws of infinite return. Our objective is to start off with the least amount of money and infinitely grow it to the point that you never have to look at your account or dollar value. And that's basically you living in what you call the have. I think what hurts a lot of people is that they, gauge their success by how much money they have in their account. 
And when it comes to that, I can tell you this, I'm blessed because I, I really am an infinite return to the point that I, I never have to really worry about cash. But at the same time, you know, you do tend to kind of blow up sometimes your, your account. Um, you tend to lose stuff. And what that does for me, I think, you know, for me, what it does, it makes me more gun shy. And then when you have that opportunity there, you're less effective. And that's why it's important to have like a little bit of community. Like now I'm talking to you guys and you guys are basically reaffirming, hey, look, listen, it's been a tough market. But sometimes as I go to sleep, I'm thinking to myself, shit, like what am I doing wrong? And the thing that I'm, I'm doing wrong is basically is the belief, is the true belief of what I know what to do, following my rules, understanding that I have to wait for confirmation and ensuring that I have to allocate risk and use those floors. And, and I'll be honest with you, like as of late, I, I'd rather shut my computer and gone to the gym. And then when I come back, I'm like, Oh shit. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, I keep referring to this as like a uh, 30 minute market in a sense where like 30 minutes we could be, everything's great. And then the next 30 minutes, it's a shit show. And then, it's just super choppy. It's it's really almost it's day to day at the moment. Like it's just adapting to whatever is hot and it's trappy too. Yeah, it's there's fair. so much so many traps on, you know, small caps and the market in general. Like Ant and I were talking about last week, spy was like it would it would run in the morning for thirty minutes and then die the rest of the day, or it would die the first thirty minutes and then run the rest of the day. And I've noticed small caps are like that too, where if you're trying to day trade a uh, a gapper, then it will it will you know die, and then all of a sudden just resurrect out of the out of thin air twenty minutes later, um, when it's on a very clear downtrend and even like great bearish setups like on a bear flag um, with with decreasing volume, something that's textbook, it will just resurrect out of nowhere, and there's it's just really trappy, um, and that makes for a tough a tough market to make consistent profit in. I definitely agree with you there. And I think that what that is, it's the smart money, institutional money, getting and out of that market during the beginning and then hoping that retail closes it higher. And I think that we're noticing that because we're really getting extended on the S&P. So I, I think that that's something that, I mean, the big wigs know this. And yeah. for, for the most part, they don't want, to, to get the market too excessively high. And I think that one of the reasons that they put out news is to kind of stifle and get the market to come down a little bit. You still have a gap fill there too on the S&P. Um, I think, and, and you guys know that 99% of the times those gap fills get filled mm -hmm. and we haven't really filled them. And if you look at 430, 435, those things should get filled. So eventually those gaps will fill. I think towards now, though, I was looking and, and going over all my setups. Um, a lot of these charts look very, very similar. You're actually putting in a floor and then you're testing that eight-day moving average with a V-shaped recovery. So I think that we're looking good. If you look at the IWM, too, you actually closed above that downtrend and you confirmed above that 200-day moving average. So it looks safe right now. Um, yeah. I'm thinking that anything that you pick right now, if you look at the IBB and the XBI, as far as pharmaceuticals back in 2020, 
January to March were really bullish on bio stocks. Um, if you look at stocks, almost every single bio stock that you're seeing is, is showing you reversal signals. If you guys are li- looking at MindMed, MNMD, if you love that. Yeah, we love that. Yeah, they're all looking, you know, like they're putting in that, that clear bottom. So I think that right now, if we're smart, if you kind of look at maybe specific plays, maybe do one to the next and compound, I think you can get out of this situation right now. I'm still net positive for the year. I'm not saying that I'm completely, you know, you know, obliterated, but it's been a tough, challenging market. But I think right now it's showing signs of, of a nice end of year. So I'm very, very confident. I was looking at my plays right now and I'm, I'm feeling really confident and I'm using the, the time frame. I know people are going to tell me, but, but radio, why would you do that? But I'm looking at December 25th to January 5th to about February 22nd to start to, to lock on the way up because I don't, I don't see these stocks just collapsing. Um, I think politically, you know, uh, the Democrats want to show a strong close because they want to get reelected. So and that's how I feel about it. What about you guys? Like, are, are you guys noticing that? That's really actually a really smart thing that you just said that the Democrats will want to uh, strong or close strong. I never even thought about that. So that's something really interesting. Um, I actually think the same exact thing as in, I know you were talking a little bit about bio stocks, putting the bottoms in and maybe getting this um, reversal here soon and then a run early next year. I agree with that 100%. And I actually think that the market will get a little bit of a run here to end the year, which actually agrees with everything you said. Um, I think it just technically looks set up. And I think uh, we got this little refresh of a pullback uh, the past, I mean, when was that last week into early this week, we had a little bit of a pullback. Um, so I think that we're kind of set up. It, it's overextended, but it's not overextended as much as it was two weeks ago. Um, so I think we're set up for an end of year run. And I think that small caps will get a good rally like late December, like you said, all the way to early February. So pretty much, I guess your thoughts align exactly with what mine, even before this interview exactly were. Yeah, we, uh, we had talked about this before where we think if we're going to get like an actual major pullback, um, that is, that's going to happen uh, like quarter one, quarter two of next year. So I definitely think we're set up to run into end of December, into January. Um, but like I mentioned before, I'm a big uh, I'm a big 90 MA guy and it's a strategy I've used for a while and a lot of these charts are now closing over their 90 MA. Um, and, and that's really when things start to reverse. Once you can close over your 90 MA and, and some of your other moving averages, um, that's kind of when the reversals in, um, and like you had mentioned, RSP, a lot of these charts look very, very similar. A lot of these penny charts look similar. A lot of these mid cap to large cap charts look very similar. So I think there's going to be a lot of opportunity into the end of this year. Uh, I definitely agree. Right, right. How many stocks do you guys go in as far as like, because I know you guys have different size accounts, but do you guys have a certain amount of stocks that you say, you know what, I'm just going in um, at just this amount and that's it? Like to swing or? Just for, just in general, man, whether it's a swing, because I have like a lot of accounts. Like there's, there's a couple of accounts that I kind of like don't look at. And it's more of a, a kind of longer term. 
But um, how do you guys like, because I think that's where some people mess up. I think they spread themselves too much. I mean, everybody has a different amount in their accounts. But what do you guys kind of do? Because I'm seeing a shitload of plays right now. Yeah. So for me, I have so I have a bunch of my money tied up in just like market funds and um, like I don't know, just just fucking the market tied up for for long term. Um, and then I have um, my like IRA account and plus a little bit of extra money where I have I think I have like six stocks in general in that entire account that I just really like long term that I'm talking like probably like two years down the road is my time horizon. And then I have a swing account that I use five stocks in five to six stocks for swings. And um, it's usually delegated pretty evenly. Each of them get about 20%, each of the five. And that one is more of just like within six months time frame that I want that swing to hit. Oh, okay. Yeah, for me, I think it's somewhat similar. Uh, like investments, long-term holds. I think I have 10 to 12 things that I, I'm holding at the moment that I really love that type holds where I really won't look at those and care to look at those for a while. Um, but in regards to like swings, so I'll never hold more than like three to five swings is my limit. It's just, it, it, it gets too much. And I, I don't like spreading my, my capital too, too, um, too thin when it, in regards to swings. And then, um, with options, I play options in a separate account and, um, I've been scalping options quite a bit. I know Teddy has as well. So, like our, like you said, RSP, I have a bunch of different accounts. Um, right, I don't yeah. like to spread my capital too thin. So that's an advice that I would give because I think that that's what hurts a lot of people is that they spread themselves, you know, and um, what, what happens in that uh, scenario is that you'll make two good trades and then you'll make five, six bad ones. So if, if anybody that's watching right now my recommendation is if you're going to pick something in a sector, maybe pick one, one or two. Pick your top sectors. Like right now, I'm very, very bullish on the metaverse as far as blockchain. I think a lot of people are overlooking it. Um, I think that that's something that when we start seeing a lot of people talk about it, you're going to start seeing these stocks rally. I think NFTs, a lot of companies um, – that deal with that are kind of bottomed right now. So I'll pick like maybe one or two NFT stocks. I'll pick a couple of miners. Granted, you know, I, I can take on a little bit more risk because I have a, a little bit more money, but for newbies or, or people that don't want to risk too much, pick maybe one or two per sector. And then if you're going to go an option, right. Um, maybe just do one. Right. Yeah. And don't be afraid to, to kind of, nibble into that position but understand that you're trading basically to lose everything on an option yeah Um, the cool thing about that is that you're not leveraging that much money into that so think about it you're basically buying a hundred shares in one contract if that really goes parabolic guess what it can really help your account um, so yeah. I think that that's one of the things that people kind of mess up where they buy too much instead of putting a good allocated amount into one and then compounding into the next. Yeah, I know uh, we talked about this be- before you got on as well because Teddy had Teddy was in the process of doing a small um, options account 
and we were just kind of discussing that where like you don't have to risk that much money um as long as you're taking those base hits those 20 30 percents getting out and then moving on to the next thing it it really allows uh you to grow a smaller account and you don't have to risk as much capital as you would if you're going pretty heavy into commons like you had just mentioned so um, i think that's a really good point that's something we had just touched on yeah we did we wanted to ask you rsp um kind of your main trading strategy as in like what's your bread and butter one of the things that i always look at um is the sector right so i want to make sure that if i'm getting into something the collective conscious is looking at that so if I know Bitcoin is breaking into new highs, 64,900, I'm going to start looking at stocks that are related. But then again, at, at the same time, I don't want to buy something that's going to give me higher risk and you know, reward. So if you noticed, uh, I don't know if you saw, but I picked up Hive really cheap. I knew that a lot of people were looking at any, but any had, had, and any made its move. So I said, you know what, let me look to buy Hive. We picked up Hive at 290. And then what I do is I use something called a PPM, which is a, a personal profit margin, because I don't like to give targets. So what I usually do, I scale up to that personal profit margin. So I, I was really adamant on 72 to 110. Um, so what I do is I sell 75% of my shares and then hold on so what you call just in case shares. And the way I, what I do is um, he uses the nine um, EMA. I use a simple moving average. Um, I use an eight day moving average. And as long as that stock holds above my eight day moving average, I do not get out. There's only two scenarios where I exit that trade. Okay. If that stock gets up to above 25 to 35% away from the eight day moving average because it acts as a magnet. And then what I do is I always make sure I know how much profit I take and what I do off that profit. I don't want to give it all away. So let's say I lock, right? Let's say Hive hits a high of $4 and 90 cents and I bought it at 280, right? And I made, let's say 5,000 dollars profit, what I'm going to do is I'm going to use 20% of that $5,000 to add back at that eight day moving average. Why do I do this? Because mathematically speaking, you want to put less back into the trade and not give it all away. All right. So um, when Hive pulled back, I added. And then what I do is I trade it on the way up. As um, Hive started kind of um, breaking down, I started nibbling a little bit and that was more emotionally based. I didn't follow my rule set and I, I'm not that down on hive, but I've been slowly accumulating it. Um, I still like my position on hive. I think that we kissed that 200 day moving average. I think we should have never broken below that $3 and 20 level. But at the same time, um, I have to abide by my rules. Usually I won't do that shit. If a stock closes below the eight day moving average on two consecutive closes, it tells me stay away. But I don't know, man, something about Bitcoin is just telling me, hey, look, listen, go long on Bitcoin, um, go long on HUT, go long on Hive, um, go long on any. So I'm holding these positions. So um, again, 
you know, when you're doing things, just make sure you abide by rules, especially if you don't want to screw up your account. I'm a little bit kind of, uh, you know, um, you know, fixing things along the way, but that eight day moving average, whether you're using that nine day moving average, stick to that because that will take care of you. If are you, uh, are those your favorite plays right now? I guess those uh, Bitcoin plays, like any hut hive that you were just talking about. Yeah, man, I, I really like those. Um, I actually think that you know, come, I'm gonna say probably February, March. I think we break a hundred thousand. I just have that feeling about that, man. I, I just think that that Bitcoin is deflationary. It's the only deflationary asset with Ethereum. You got a triple having coming up on February 2nd for Ethereum. Um, I listened to guys like Raul Paul, you know, um, Michael Saylor, Adam, and they just make so, so much sense. You know, when uh, a CEO of MicroStrategy is just loading the boat here, these are smart individuals. Yeah. And I think that, you know, it's not a hedge on inflation, I don't think, because we're still correlated. Bitcoin is still correlated with the market. But overall, you can see that people are just adding these pullbacks. And look, from its inception, if you look at that monthly chart, it's only been going up rather than the dollar that's been losing 20% per annum. So if you, if you look at it medium to longer term, you're actually buying something that just goes up. And basically, if you look at the, the stock market, the only reason it goes up is because we have a weaker dollar, right? So... I think that if Bitcoin hits 100,000, 150,000, do you honestly think that stocks like any HUD, Hive will be trading at or near those levels? I don't think so. And I'm willing to take that risk. It's funny because- They would fly. It's funny because Teddy knows, I've been talking about Hive for over a month now. I've been on on Hive for, I love Hive. Um, I've played this many times and looking at Hive and thinking, Okay, well, beginning of November, this was at $5.70, $5. and now it's mm-hmm. it's made more than 100% retracement. This is, I think, to me at least, an absolute steal at these p- specific prices. And like you said, it's going to do whatever Bitcoin does. If you have conviction in Bitcoin, then you need to have conviction in these miners because they're going to follow whatever Bitcoin does. So I totally agree with Hive, Hut, um, your, other, your more popular miners like your Mars and Riots and whatnot. Yeah, right. and, and then you have these Chinese companies. Um, a lot of these companies have been moving to to different areas. You know, China um, has banned miners, but there's they still have equipment. And I know people hate it, but um, I, you know, a big mentor of mine, I I joined this group. His name is Alessio Rostani. He always says, "You buy something when it's hated, when people do, um, you know, are just talking shit about it." that's when you buy the stock. And if you look at SOS, which it's hated, I don't know if you, 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 you guys yeah. are following SOS, go look at that chart. I mean, you put in a bullish reversal tail, you had two consecutive green closes, you put in a nasty floor at a dollar, but now you're trading a dollar 40, a dollar 50. It, it has a nice reversal, but again, it's hated. Like when I posted on that, you know, I got so much, you know, flack on it. You know, how can you post that you're a pump and dumper and stuff? No, I just like the levels. I like what that stock is showing me right now. But it's, 
related to, 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 to crypto. And now you're, you're hovering and you're testing that eighth day movement energy. You confirm above that 119, you got a gap fill to two bucks. When you get to two bucks, you sell it, you know? So yep. I, I like those, those plays where they're kind of hated and um, it gives you that opportunity to make money off of them. What about you guys? Do you guys like get emotional with these stocks? I mean, do you, you say, nah, I'm not, I'm not buying that shit because people are talking shit about it. No, man. I think, I think those are the best times to buy, to be completely honest. Like, um, I mean, I remember, what was the stock? I think it was, I think it's been game. Let me pull up the chart real quick, but game, people were talking mad shit about game, um, G-A-M-E. And I think I bought near the bottom, um, didn't alert anything or anything, but like people were talking shit about it. I think at like three bucks and then I bought it and it ran all the way to, you know, four fifty for me. Um, just a quick little gain there. But like, I remember everyone was like, this thing is going to a dollar. This thing is going to, you know, 50 right. cents on Twitter. It was getting heavily shit on. And then I bought it because I was like, this looks like a good, a good uh, level to buy at. It has a nice candle on it. It's, it's looks like it's ready to bounce. It bounced and, uh, people were wrong. People, people probably, uh, we're shorting it and um, got burned on there. So you were looking at ticker symbol game and it was just shitted on. Yeah. There's a bottom. You got in, you, did you feel any hesitation to accumulate or to build a position there? Yeah. So it dropped to like, I think it was like three twenty, And then it started to drop more and people were like, this is a piece of shit. I remember people were were really talking about how bad it is. And then it got below three and I loaded the boat at like 297, 298, because I was like, this thing, this thing has like, I remember the reason I loaded it was because they have a big lawsuit against um, DraftKings and they have like a really great lawyer um, who's, who's won like, I think it was like 95% of his cases in this sort of case. So I was just like, I'm going to load here. They have a long-term prospect there with that lawsuit. People are hating on it only because it's in a downtrend right now, but I know that the company has something that's going to uh, be good for them long-term. So I loaded it down there and I figured the, the risk level is really minimal at $2 or $2 and 90 some cents because the market cap, if it gets to, you know, two bucks or $1 50 cents is so insanely low that I would just keep loading at that point. Um, So then I loaded at 297 and then it popped right back up to 450 and I got a quick, what is that? Like 50, 75% out of it when everyone was talking shit about it on Twitter. And I just went against the grain. I didn't even alert it because I was so worried about it because people were talking about it. I didn't want to alert it when people were talking so badly about it and uh, be wrong about it and be the one person who they could all laugh at, you know, but I ended up getting pretty good gains out of it. Right. And, and I think that that's what happens because when I posted on IDEX, I think IDEX had pulled back and IDEX is a stock that I traded back in the day at like around, I'm going to say 90 cents and it hit a high of like about five bucks, but I didn't just trade it up there. You know, I, I bought pullbacks I, when, when EV was really getting hot and then Yates got on top of it. Um, it did well, but then it collapsed, right? So now it pulled back and it gave me that entry at 184. And I knew that my floor was 180. I said, fuck, I'm going to take this shit right here. And um, man, you should have seen how much, how much hate I got on it, that it's diluted. I'm a pump and dumper, but it was just a nice level. And then it ended up hitting 214 and it needed to confirm two consecutive weeks above two bucks and then never did it right 
um, a lot of people were s- sending me messages, hey, radio, are you going to update the chart? And I said, look, listen, it has to hold the $1.80 level. If it doesn't, it's it. You know, setup is void. And look, look what happened. It hit um, $1.80, lost its support. I sold a little bit up like around that 214 um, level, um, but then it pulled back and it just couldn't sustain that. So some of these trades won't work. Some of these trades won't work. But at the same time, when you're buying these bottom plays, if you use a floor, it's giving you a good balance of probability. And that's why we take the trade. And I think that, you know, even if it's hated, just understand that as long as you're buying at or near your floor, you're taking a low risk. Like when you picked up game, you said to yourself, okay, it's nearing a floor. I'm going to take this trade. And as long as I buy it at or near this floor, okay, the balance of probability leads to me making profits. And that's what yeah. you did. I just like giving that information because if you're not emotionally um, towards that, that stock, you'll take it. Um, but I think that it becomes a pissing contest sometimes. Yeah. Everybody wants to be the man. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah. that's. Uh, I mean, I don't have a particular story where I threw something out that was hated necessarily. But mm-hmm. um, I remember back in June, and Teddy knows this, um, I had called Wish in a Discord we were a part of. Um, and this was back in June when it was like seven bucks. And for for the first time since it IPO'd, it had kind of flattened out. And I'm like, okay, I really like this. Um, right. And I put Wish out before it got popular, went to like 15 bucks. Um, and then I did the same thing with CEI before it blew up at like 30 right, cents. Right. I put CEI out. And then I would get messages like, oh, you, the only reason you are right is because these other dudes picked this up on Twitter, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, Listen, if I call something and it gets picked up on Twitter, great. And it goes, I'm still taking, right. I'm making my money. To tell me that the only reason I made money is because people picked it up on Twitter is that doesn't, that has no effect on me. I still made my money whether people called it or not. So I don't, I mean, I think that kind of relates to what you guys are talking about. Right. Yeah. But that, that's awareness though. And, and people have to understand from the inception of trading, man, it's, it was always word of mouth. People, would go and start trading these shares, you know, with their families or friends or, or people from work. Um, later in the 80s, what did they do? They used the telephone. If you look at the Wolf of Wall Street, that's basically what it is. It's just bringing that awareness. When I traded CEI, I bought that really cheap. And that shit did not want to move when I sent it out. Yeah. I'm glad they picked it up. Me too. And give them all, and give them all the credit. Exactly. Um, I remember when I picked up um, Mara, at like 42 cents nobody there was no volume Ooh, on that shit. 42 cents wow man that was that's a crazy run it's a, yeah, i remember it's man. at 42 bucks now or something like that Holy right shit. right i picked a couple of uh plays nndm i picked up at 72 cents i don't know if you guys follow uh mr acosta antonio acosta, acosta i think his name is he was yeah, posting on Vissel at the time i think it was Vissel or uavs and nndm had put out chinese news about drones and I and I posted the chart in his in his uh, tweet and he fucking blocked me. This is <laughs> this is the type of uh, 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 you know that's social media for you. Yep. But anyway, I don't know if you guys saw, but NNDM was one of the biggest plays of all time. That thing ended up getting like close to eleven bucks. So, yep. um, um, what I'm saying is, 
sometimes you want to buy these stocks when they're just really beaten down and beat up. And yeah. I think that that, to me, has always been my style. I know a lot of people say, nah, man, you should only buy stocks that are in an uptrend. But, you know, these bottom plays bring you a lot of wealth. They can have a violent move. Yeah, and it's there's a, a oh yeah there's people that want acknowledgement, and then there's people that are ma- like want to make money. And if you're if you like you had mentioned the CI, the wish, the people that want credit, what, that I mean that really doesn't matter. If you're making money, you're making money. Whether oh, yeah. you get credit or not, that means nothing to the people that are making money. So yeah, right. Like they just posted um, not too long ago on ticker symbol DATS. Yep. And I remember people picked up on that and I saw that it lost its $6 support. So I said to myself, look, using Fibonacci retracement, we look at a five zero to six one point eight percent retrace. So they put out news and I like the news. It, it had blockchain related kind of tokenization where they give you rewards. So I picked up um, some shares. Um, it, you know, it, it, I picked up a starter a little bit higher and then I posted it and I said, it's looking like a 50% retrace. And then I got shitted on. Like they sent me a message and they said, yo, it's going lower. It's going, it's going lower. And I said, all right. I mean, maybe, maybe not. And now look today, you know, we hit a high of 402. I think we kissed 298 and it looks pretty good. So yeah, you're right, man. I mean, I'm ne- I don't care for the credit. I mean, I actually find these stocks sometimes by following these guys. Yeah. I just buy it a little cheaper. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, a question I kind of wanted to get into and and ask you that I ask everybody um, is like how did you get into trading and um, when you got into trading did you have a mentor um, or did you have kind of somebody that helped you along the way? So in the beginning, man, I I didn't even know how to use a computer. I was right out of the military, and I remember when I got out, I had picked up a laptop and I opened up an E Trade. And I remember kind of messing around with like the triple zero, like the OTC markets, which I know a lot of people fringe upon. Um, but I had bought, because I said to myself, this thing's at triple zero too. It can't go down. And then, uh, you know, I put in my money and then next thing you know it, I lost. And then I remember my mom had given me some cash and then I put money and I said, hey, I'm going to invest for you. And then I lost her money. <laughs> so <laughs> the way I kind of learned was by failing. And then I joined a couple of these like um, newsletters. And then I just started buying these sh- shitty stocks. And I kind of hooked up with this guy named Bob Wilcox. And he was really incognito too. He ran a thing called Penny Stock Gurus, which I thought he was pretty cool. Because when he would send out a, uh, a stock, it would just, you know, it would just spike and then the whole thing was getting in and then getting out. Um, but he would go on a lot of vacations and we, at that time we had a Skype chat and I remember posting plays, right? It was in the OTC markets and then people were doing well with the stocks. And then they were like, you know, I, I, I didn't go by the name radio, but they said, Hey, you should open your own. And then I opened up my own Skype and then it became into, I created a mobile app. I created a website. I started kind of like um, building like a little kind of network. I called myself radio silent because of that's what we call comms in the military. And then it just, it just kind of progressed. And then I started reading books, Jesse Livermore. I started reading books, um, 
with, um, you know, just things that, that had anything to do with, with trading, like trading in this, in the zone. Um, I picked up, I picked up a lot of books and then I kind of flowed into, um, this gentleman and I'm going to plug him. His name is Alessio Rostani. I joined his newsletter. He would do these kind of things like podcasts with a Q and a, and I give him all the credit with everything that I've learned. He's awesome. If you guys don't know, he runs something called leading trader. Um, this guy to me has been the reason that I've kind of progressed with my trading. Um, I give, you know, him a lot of the props, but as far as like a mentor mentor where somebody sat down and kind of walked me through, no, I kind of did a trial and error, but I kind of used his strategy or kind of fine tuned it my way. And um, that's what I've been using up to date. So then the next question I have in regards to that. Um, so once you had gotten started, what kind of, I don't, I'm sure you probably can remember was, what was the moment in your trading, I guess, quote unquote journey where you kind of had that aha moment where you're like, okay, well I can actually make a career out of this or okay, I can do this full time. Where it clicked. Yeah. Where, um, it, clicked. Wh- where it clicked was when um, I started buying things and I just felt really good about buying them. I know that sounds kind of weird. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to tell you that there was a point in time where um, I kind of left trading and I left it because um, I started doing on, like an entrepreneurship. I opened up a gym and I, I kind of wanted to leave the trading business kind of and, and start something new. And then I got myself in a heap of mess where I couldn't pay rent. And then a buddy of mine got me back in and it was to the point that I was making more money trading than, than the business. And I was like, what am I doing? Why am I leaving something that I like doing just to kind of, uh, you know, show off to other people that I, I own two gyms and, and things of that. Um, but it, it must've been when, um, to me, like the, the, the best moment was when, I was having fun with it. You know what I mean? Um, I don't remember what stock or what did it, but when I started kind of seeing my account start to grow and I started not worrying about it was when I, I did something called the toad. I don't know if you know what DMT is. I started microdosing, which I don't condone. I'm not telling people to do this, but I just felt more relaxed doing it. I wasn't afraid to take trades um, and just everything just started flowing. And um, I, I can't tell you how that experience alone helped me out with just overall kind of life. I can't really tell you um, what was the stock, but it was just win after win after win after win. I mean, there was a point in time where I, I, I can't remember the, the I, don't, I, don't, I don't want to sound conceited, brother. But oh, no, there no, was no. a point in time where I was not losing much and um, it just, it just flowed, but I was never arrogant about it. And then um, I started kind of like building assets. I paid off um, and I bought a property in, in Baja, California. Um, I had paid off massive amounts of like the debt that I, I accrued with my gyms. 
And um, then I knew that I was just like in that infinite return. So yeah. I, I don't know how to answer that one, brother, because it, it's, it's weird. It's like, um, it just, everything started kind of getting to the point that I never got nervous about it. Yeah. What about when you guys, like when you guys started, was there ever a point in time where it stopped being nervous? Cause there was a, a point in time where like every trade that you, you know, you were like, shit, am I going to lose this? And yeah. there was a point in time where that I that I lost that without even recognizing it. I don't know if I if I can explain it, but that makes sense to me. I think for me, that's the the kind of the gut feeling. Um, I kind of preach to a lot of my people that I mentor is you'll develop a gut feeling over time, and it's different than trading with emotions because a lot of people trade with emotions, with FOMO, with um, something we call hopium where they hope something's going to keep going up or going to go up when it might not go up um, or is unlikely to go up. So I think that gut feeling where you just have that confidence in yourself, it's like a silent confidence that, all right, I've done this enough times. I recognize all the signs. This fits with my um, technicals. It fits with everything that I need for a stock that's going to make me money. Um, And I don't even have to like recognize that in my brain. It's just that gut tells me this is it. This is the trade. This trade is going to work. And when I get that gut feeling, or when I get into a trade and that gut feeling tells me you don't need to worry, that's those are the best trades. I know exactly what you mean. There was a point in time where um, I developed from from being a trader that was one of those people where it's like, I hope this goes up. Oh, I'm nervous. I don't know if I'm going to be able to sleep tonight to a trader that said, oh, it's going to go up. I just got to be patient. Um, and that was that gut feeling for me, which I think I, I understand exactly what you're talking about. Right. And I, I don't want to sound conceited or, or like say that I never lost throughout those times, but I was very methodical, uh, very mathematical. Like I came up with rules. I don't know if you guys have seen, I came up with something called the rule of three, where yeah. I knew that every time that I got into a trade, I would create a buy zone, right? Uh, number two, immediately after buying my stock, I would set my sell orders on the way up. That's just a guarantee. And then abiding by my floors, right? And that was basically confirmation above key levels, whether it broke a trend, whether it was above a key moving average. I knew that that was my floor. Sometimes I would kind of like, not to say that, you know, I I always follow the rules because I'd lie to you. I know now as of late, I kind of defer from that. But what I'm saying is I was very strict with what I did. Um, There are times where you kind of like, you know, you don't abide by that. And we all do it. We all do it where we feel that it's going to go up higher. I know sometimes that pays off. Um, I remember Envis. That was a, a beautiful trade. Um, uh, Mara, like I, I, I tell you. So there's are certain times where we kind of defer from that because you get that intuition. You kind of get that feel. Um, and then I'm, I, I like to trade, and I know you guys don't, um, the OTC markets. Um, OTC markets, they, they're very hated to the point that they feel that it has nothing to do with technical analysis, but a lot, almost everything, okay, deserves charting because the chart is basically giving you emotions and you can kind of pinpoint where people are buying it and you can start finding patterns. So overall, Overall, um, one of the things that I kind of um, attest is just being very, very facetious with with my strategy, but at the same time, not being so nerve-wracked. And you've said it, it just kind of, 
it happens. It's almost like a state of flow. Um, and, and sometimes you, you just can't explain it. Um, yeah. As of late, have I been in that state of flow? Nah, nah, not really. But sometimes, you know, cracks happen, you know, where look at right now, like there's so much uncertainty in the market, right? So sometimes it just doesn't pan out like you want it to. But overall, consistency is basically following a rule set. And I'm sure that you guys have your rule set. Sometimes we do tend to break that rule because sometimes we get intuition and sometimes we get that feeling like you're saying in that stomach where this could potentially go higher and then you take on more risk, but it's allocated too. Yeah. I, uh, I think for me that that moment that kind of clicked, it was like, it was a culmination of different things, but um, I know for me personally, I didn't have a mentor, so I literally, I had nobody to like bounce ideas off of or anything like that. So it got to the point where I was just losing money and consistently losing money. And I was one of those people where I was like, okay, I just want to get rich. Like, I just want to make money. I don't want to put the time and the effort in that it's going to take, nor did I know how much time and effort it would take. Um, I kind of, I kind of thought it would be easy. Um, and it, it really bit me in the ass and it wasn't until I actually was putting in a shit ton of hours every single day. Um, and just looking at charts, like I'm a big technical trader. So for me, the really, the thing that really helped me was not even trading, looking at charts and predicting what would happen. I was up at 4am every day and I was looking and I was charting things out. I'm like, okay, this is what I think is going to happen. And until it really clicked for me, once I saw these things start to happen, then I was able to kind of throw money into it. Um, started doing well, but didn't have the patience really at all. Um, was very imp a very impatient person. Um, so then again, it took me to to really hone in on okay, you you have to be patient because I would sell things and then they would just run two days later. Um, so for me, it was really charting technicals, um, establishing a plan, and just that the patience aspect of it. Um, and that's kind of the culmination of the different things that really helped me. Right. So one of the things that um, I, I think that sometimes happens too um, to many people is that they kind of gauge themselves with other people that are trading. And I think that with social media kind of throws you off sometimes too, because you're seeing a lot of things that they post. And then for, for some people, it's disheartening because, you know, they have such high expectation. Sometimes you have to be able to let go of that, you know, um, yeah. Your success is engaged by how much money you have in your account, as much as you want to know or think that it does. Because in the end, why do we do this, bro? Because we want to have more time on our hands. And yeah. if you can kind of balance that out and understand that your biggest asset is your time, then you start being able to let go. And that's when I think things just start kind of flowing. Yeah, um, yeah. I think it's important too, and I've said this a million times and I'll continue to say it, but once you start realizing that one, you can't trade with anything that you can't afford to lose, that's when everything goes out the window. You make you make rash decisions, and and you're you're just unable to be successful. Um, you see so many people they have a they have a good week, they want to quit their job, and, and trade full time. That's just not. I mean. Don't quit your job. Don't trade with money you can't afford to lose because that right there is just setting you up for failure. 
Yeah, hundred percent. I think, I think there's, there's a lot of people out there that think that this is an easy game or a get rich quick scheme and it is not at all radio. Um, I wanted to kind of, we want to, we want to respect your time. So we're going to close up here soon, but we wanted to give you a chance. We want your last thoughts, some of your best advice that you, you kind of think would, would really help a trader who's in those beginning stages. So uh, what's your last advice to those types of traders? My last advice is make sure that if you're doing this, make sure that you love doing it. Um, One of the most important things is kind of enjoying your life. Um, There's a saying from a song, You live the life that you love and not the life that you live. If you're doing this by using the force of Caesar, it's not going to work. You have to be in some type of state of flow. Take time in between to maybe meditate or do things that you enjoy doing. So you're not always looking at that screen. Sometimes it's good to kind of get away from the computer, right? So there are a lot of opportunities Um, One of the things that you guys should kind of think about is less is best. So again, if you can come up with a rule set, I come up with a rule of three, just follow that. If you think that you have to start, you know, comparing yourself to others, kind of be aware of that and say, no, man, I got to stop. I know what my goal is and I'm going to just follow the trends, right? If I have to see what's the hottest sector, then I'm gonna pick that one or two stock in that hot sector. And if I'm gonna pick that one or two sector, I'm gonna be patient building a position into that and understanding that if I'm gonna build that position, overall, I wanna buy at or near a specific level. If that level breaks on two consecutive days, that's gonna tell you, look, it didn't work, move on to the next. Don't be so stubborn where you have to always win. Your objective is to win more than what you lose. If you can do that, I think that, and build a community, like you guys sound cool as fuck. You know what I mean? Thanks, man. Build a little network, you know, find minds alike. If you can get on a phone or you can be on chat, you guys trade together, I assume, right? Have your little inner circle too, because sometimes it's not about just being in a chat room because In those chat rooms, you're getting just so much information. But if you can get somebody that you can be like loyal to, because I do have my inner circle that I talk amongst too, right? So I I don't know if you guys have like a little circle. Yeah, we do. Right. Those guys will have your back. And the less is best mentality. Um, I do want to kind of give you guys um, a little bit of advice, right? Um, Understand that this is a marathon. It's not something that you're going to rush and do well. Don't put so much pressure on yourself. If you have a job, that's fine. You know, having a job is not a bad thing. You know what I mean? Work up to understanding that you're going to have all the time in the world. Right now, I still work on the weekend, right? Don't put so much pressure where you making money on in the stock market is going to be everything or, or else you'll be out of a, uh, of a house or, uh, you know, you don't want to like, let it be your all. And I think that that's something that you definitely don't want to be pressure yourself where you have to make income all the time because you're going to yeah. get spurts where there's nothing going on. Yeah. That's hundred percent true. I know that there's a, 
there's a lot of people who, like Ant was saying earlier, they'll uh, they'll expect that this is going to be, be make money quick, and then they want to quit their job and do all this stuff. And they, it's it's if you have a job, stick with it until you have enough money to where you don't even need to worry. Um, job is not bad, just like RSP said. A job is something that you'll uh, you'll maybe down the road be able to forget about if you uh, become successful trading, but you got to learn a lot of skills before you can, can get to the point where you're ready to quit your job. Definitely. And make sure that when you're making money, put it in some asset that's going to, you know, later on build, um, whether you're going to buy land or you're going to buy some Bitcoin, whether you're going to, you know, diversify in, into other things. Don't just keep all your money in your account. Yeah. Because then you tend to overtrade. So I think you guys are, 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 are locked on, man. I think we didn't really talk about stocks. You know, I would have given you a couple of plays that I think that are, are easy ones. But, you know, I think that for the most part, I think anything's going to run into the end of the year. So we should we should have a good, strong end of the year. But knock on wood, because I don't want to change Yeah. yeah there I we know. go. I love Hive. I know you love Hive. And... And I love these miners as well, just to talk more stocks. But um, a lot of these charts look very, very, very similar. Yeah, there's a lot of stuff on a pullback right now. I know FCL, AMTX are two of my favorites right now. They're really, really set up. Um, there's some, there's some really, really good opportunities into end of year. A lot of stuff is at a at a discount right now. I think Wish is going to make a bottom here soon, and when that thing reverses, it could get violent. <laughs> you and Wish. <laughs> Dude, Wish is going to fucking explode one of these moments. I, I know it's been downtrending for so long, but it's going to hit a bottom and that thing is going to, that baby's going to pop here soon I'm, enough. I'm, I'm going to look at the Wish chart right now. Yeah, it doesn't and... look half bad. Yeah, go look at that baby. Yeah, you, you actually confirmed. You did you did a confirmation today. Just use that previous low or you could use that eight day moving average as your floor. Yeah, I like exactly. it. I mean, I think that these are, I think almost every chart is basically doing the same shit right now when you um, when rsp talks about a floor two it's essentially when something builds a floor and you enter as close to that floor as humanly possible the the risk reward increases meaning it's very low minimal risk with potential to be have a lot of reward um and i know i trade and teddy trades similar to that like when we're looking to enter things we want to get in as close to support as humanly possible it just allows us to, one, then if we're using a hard stop, set a hard stop underneath that floor, which, again, is minimal risk for a lot of potential. So, Right. And then what some of the indicators that I like to use for you guys that are on, if, if it's like a shitty market, like a real bad market where I want to look at for bottoms, I'm going to use the stochastic RSI. I don't normally use the stochastic RSI because sometimes it prevents you from getting in because if you don't see that stochastic RSI oversold, sometimes you'll avoid it. Um, but for the most part, I'll use the PPO and the ADX to kind of pinpoint a uh, pincher. I don't know if you guys know what that is when the ADX and the PPO are coming together, but a little kind of uh, stock that if you guys get a chance, go look at Palantir right now. Palantir put in that floor Love at 18 PLT. bucks. Right, and I think it's an easy one right now. So if anybody that's watching this, you're about to confirm above that eight-day moving average, you got a pinch or you got a MACD from negative to positive, and then you got upside to about 2367. Yep. And those March contracts are like for 25 bucks, 
they're cheap. they're basically cheap yeah and and i i think they're in like 60 cent level yeah um if you look at what palantir did um last december you had a rally from 20 i think 18 to 44 bucks so i wouldn't be surprised if we see a nice rally rally in the palantir heading into into february so yeah. i think that's going to be a good trade i was talking about this with uh, my buddy on twitter today um Teddy, I know you know D book, but uh, yeah, it's very, very close to reclaiming that um, nine day or that nine EMA, which is sitting right, right under twenty dollars. A confirmation over that for me is that's that's exactly what I need to get in. Um, so I totally agree that chart looks very good. And All right. you, did you see the news though? Did you see? Um, and I'm I'm plugging them because I'm, I'm I'm you know I like it, but they actually put out news with um, that shortage of the chip shortage. So. I think that's you know in the now, so yeah. something that you guys should kind of look at. I'm definitely going to look at PLTR. I'm going to look at PLTR, and then the other ones we mentioned uh, today. And I'm going to maybe think about getting an average, or a little little bit of a starter. And I'm going to look at those Bitcoin plays you talked about too, because uh, I like Bitcoin on this dip. Hive had news uh, today too. Yeah, 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 yeah. I did. I remember seeing that. Bitcoin, I'm looking at Bitcoin right now just to check out this market cap real quick. It's definitely on a nice little, and the thing about Bitcoin too is it's on this nice dip, but the dip got eaten up like nobody's business. Like it dipped and then it sucked it right back up, which I love seeing that where where a dip gets, um, you know, you got buyers then, which you don't have to worry about, you know, is there going to be enough buying pressure to keep pushing this up? Um, So yeah, I like Bitcoin and I think I'm going to actually look at getting some plays uh, lined up for end of year that you were talking about, like any Hive, Mara, all those. Right, right. Hut is a good one too. um, If you look at Hut. Um, One of the things that I think is going to be probably, I think the safest trade to me is Ethereum. I think Ethereum is going to make a Bitcoin move. If you were to tell me, hey, look, listen, um, where do I put my profits? I would say look to, to add any pullbacks on Ethereum and just grow your position because you have that triple halving coming yep. and, and, you know, the metaverse, everything's yep. being traded. As much as the gas fees are, Ethereum is the one. So, yeah. um, I've been actually buying some Ethereum um, the last couple months. I don't know. Same. So, yeah, I don't, I, I, I'm not as experienced with um, buying actual crypto, I'm more. You like, guys haven't been. You guys haven't been. Sorry to cut you off. You guys haven't bu- been buying crypto or any uh, altcoins. So I've. We have been, but recent. Uh, only recently, we were. We always played miners and things that ran off crypto yeah. specifically. Oh, okay. But but recently, right, right. we've we've both been getting more into crypto. So I've Man. been adding Ethereum for a few months now too, and like I think my first. I think my first buys were on that dip all the way. I don't remember in September, end of September where it dipped quite a bit and then double bottomed. Um, those are my first buys, but I'm going to keep adding on all dips because I think a lot of people have been talking about the triple halving. And I think that's going to be a big thing for it come uh, early next year. So I'm just going to keep adding and keep adding and keep adding. Do you guys <laughs> trade like some lottos? Like, do you guys like look at in sympathy? Like right now there's a couple of, uh, NFT metaverse plays that are really cheap right now, like the NXTP. Have you guys heard of the DXF, NXTP? Um, what's another one? Uh, um, what's the other one called? I think XKIN, XKIN. I've heard of a few of those and I do trade lottos. Like I do, I'll do like, if any of those had options, I would, I would snag some options oh, for okay. like so you guys few more, months out. You guys more trade the option trades then. 
So I do options for lottos. We've played other the T-Cats, like TCAT, WKey, your CSCW. Oh, okay. those, DLPN. Yeah. Right, right. Because um, a couple of these, man, they're, they're bottomed. And I think that NFTs and Metaverse will do well. I think yeah. so too. Once Bitcoin starts moving again, usually Bitcoin moves and then those are like the secondary move afterwards. Definitely have to kind of keep an eye though. This Sunday, the market on, on crypto ends or Bitcoin ends at 7 p.m. Definitely want to see us regain that 21-day moving average. I don't want us to close below that 21-day moving average because yeah. if, if we do, that's going to give us a little bit more downside risk. But overall, Bitcoin's not going to go anywhere. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Well, uh, we want to thank you for coming on Radio Silent Play. It was, it was an awesome conversation, and I think people are going to learn a shitload from the stuff you said. Um, so, yeah, thank you for, for hopping on. No worries, man. I hope that I can come back on, and then once everything starts stabilizing, we can kind of, like, run some ideas, because I know we didn't yeah. talk too, too many stocks, but definitely, definitely, I think, you know, it's like throwing a dart right now and just hitting every target, because a lot of these charts, man, you're saying it where a lot of confirmations above that nine, they move an average like you use and, and they, yeah. they move an average that I use. So, you know, yeah, we'd love don't to have be you hesitant. Back on. Yeah, we'll definitely hesitate. have you back on for sure. Yeah. yeah. We, Send uh, me a we, message and I'll be on. We really appreciate for sure, you man. coming on. No so. worries, man. Thank you guys, man. Yeah. yeah have a good night, man. All Thank right, you man. so much. Take care, guys. Take care, guys. Um, I did that small account challenge mm-hmm. the last two weeks. Uh, I closed it up today. I was honestly, to be completely honest, getting tired of um, taking time away from my larger account. I wasn't making enough money on there. I was not hitting my 1% goal a day. So I uh, closed up the small account. I went out with a bang. So what I did was I kind of wanted to just have an experience of a beginner trader FOMOing into a trade or just like holding for too long and seeing if, you know, I got lucky and there were massive gains or if I sucked and, you know, got my account partially blown up. And what happened was um, I found a trade that I saw on Twitter, like a new beginner would have. And I was like, man, I'm just going to do this. So I bought, I think I had a $700 account, bought like two or 300 bucks worth of calls, um, actually no puts, and they went up like 30% off the bat. And the person who tweeted it tweeted out again, um, saying like, I'm not selling till hundred percent. Don't sell till hundred percent. And so I was like, if I was a beginner, man, I would just hold. So I was like, all right, I'm going to experiment here. And I, uh, like want to hold for a little bit bigger gains got like whopped and negative 20% ended up what it was. My account was down like a hundred bucks. I think at that point, um, but man, did I learn a shitload and I posted a, uh, like a little, what is that called? A thread on Twitter about it, about how being a small account trader for options is a completely different world than someone who has like, you know, over 25K, over 50K that they can play with options. You have to play weeklies. You have to play weeklies or far out of the money plays. Um, You can't go too far down in time or else the premiums are super high. Um, So you're basically stuck to weeklies and the weeklies are so volatile that, you know, the, the, the market makers are also trying to burn those out. They're trying to just, you know, trade sideways and get things to die and lose you money and make them money. So I learned the really hard way that if you're someone who has to buy one contract on weeklies, uh, if that's the size of your account, then like you're kind of in a struggle area as in like it's harder to trade. You don't have as many options. Um, And also the other thing too is, is it's really easy to see those people with huge gains on Twitter and just want to be those people and buy, you know, really far out of the money contracts. 
um, or weeklies that are, are crazy, um, you know, expecting crazy gains. And, you know, I learned the, the hard way that these small accounts are easy to just lose money on quickly. If you listen to people on Twitter, if you listen to their price targets, if you're not buying the right stuff, it was really interesting just to, you know, learn some stuff. And then the reflection, a lot of people said they learned a lot from it. So I'll do another small account in the future. Um, they're all going to be learning based. They're not for me to make like a lot of money. I'm not expecting to make my $500 into, you know, five grand, like in two weeks, I'm just expecting to learn something that I can pass on to everyone who listens. Yeah, um, I think those are great points, and I've been uh, I've been starting. I started a series with uh, just going over like options basics for beginners. Where I put an episode out last on Sunday, and just kind of breaking it down like as simple as I possibly could. But I feel what you're saying is like you don't really. I mean, you almost don't have a choice like to play weeklies. You you're essentially trying to rotate that money in and out as fast as you can. And I and the way I've personally been playing options is i've just been scalping options like super quick like yeah that's what i did to the point where i don't really need to worry about the greeks or worry about anything really um i'm looking for key level breaks in either direction and those will yield you like 30 40 50 percent pretty fast i know i played f cell the other day once it flushed under seven and i was up 40 percent in two minutes just because like once you're playing these key level breaks those are, I think those are the safest, your safest bet. We talked about this before. Like it's almost impossible to time a reversal. If you're playing weeklies, trying to time a reversal, you're going to get crushed. So, but I completely agree. It's, I think it is hard with a small account. Um, you have to be super, super disciplined. Like you can't jump. If you just try to jump into something early and try to predict a move, you're going to get burned. Like you could make, you could be on a hot streak three days in a row, you make 20% here, 30% here, and you could take one, you can jump into one thing early, get a little reckless and you're, you just wipe out all that progression you made. So yeah, Yeah, that's what happened to me. Yeah. There, I mean, it's tricky and, and it makes you like understand people with smaller accounts frustration, but it is possible. Like the only reason you did, said you did that today was just to see what would happen. Like you had the chance to, you know what I mean? You had the chance to make money. and To be completely honest, it started out with me just wanting to experiment with the whole like holding longer. Like I got this little like inkling in my brain and I was like, maybe I just want to hold longer. I see people with a bunch of gains. Let's see like what the hype is about. And then it turned into like this whole kind of just like experimenting with what someone would do if they were just learning options and this whole like alerts on Twitter, seeing how those alerts work, seeing how the emotions are handled by a beginner trader who's doing these options with a small, tiny account, seeing it like go up. Like my account was up like 15% overall at one point. And then like the people tweeted like, don't sell until hundred percent gains. And then I was like, damn, my account will be up so much if I wait then. And that was me like now as a more experienced trader, granted it was with the small account, I would manage my emotions way better if I was, you know, using more, more money, but it was, it was really, really just eye opening to see how quickly that like kind of just FOMO can just like hit you and just like, I want more gains when the people tweet about that. I just had a crazy experience like today doing that because I'd never, I always just, I don't, I stay off Twitter when it's during the day, during the trading day, I just want to do my own trading. Um, and so to like actually follow a trade that someone else posted and then like see what they post afterwards about the trade was just an experience I haven't had in a long time. And it was, it was crazy. I'm probably going to write up another thread about that. Cause it was just, it was nuts, man. It was, it was absolutely nuts. People, people don't understand too, is like, I mean, as you do this for 
a good amount of time and you get more experience, you, you kind of start to weed out who's legit and who's not. But I mean, uh, like people are going to think I'm crazy by saying this, but 90% of people you see posting crazy ass screenshots of like, Oh, a thousand percent here. Like if you're holding for that percentage, you're really not trading correctly. I mean, if you're not scaling up, like if you scale on the way up, you hold some, they go up a thousand percent. That's great. But if like you claim to hold everything, for huge moves like that, you're really not trading. I mean, there's no yeah. if, if, ands, or buts about it. Probably lost like ten trades in between. Exactly, and people people want to paper trade these crazy screenshots to sell a service. Like, it's it's yeah. just not reality. That's not real. You you it's not proficient, and that's no way to you say you hold shit for a thousand percent one time. You're gonna want to do it again, and you're gonna do it again, and get absolutely screwed. Yeah, there's a lot of beginner's luck too. I had a lot of people in my Discord today that we were talking about when they first started with options or something. They started in a hot market back when COVID was running, you know, and had like just 2, throw 000, money at whatever four thousand percenters, and they were making like crazy money. And then the market like got normal again, and they're like, "Yeah, that was like that was the worst way to possibly start out because now, like, part of me expects to get that amount of gains when it's not not even close to what's going to happen." No, and I tweeted something. And I mentioned it in my group. I, I was last week, I think it was Wednesday, I was looking at F cell and that's when the market was really bad. And I'm like, I was looking at weeklies, I think for seven the seven and a half puts, the seven and a half strike, they were one cent. And I'm like, you know what? I might just throw like a couple hundred bucks at this um and see what happens. And they went like four thousand percent. I never ended up grabbing them, but it just <laughs> but like it just goes to show you like yeah. I ended up grabbing the seven and a half the next day and they went like 800%, but I wasn't expecting that. Yeah. Like I, I even tweeted, like I didn't hold for that. I didn't hold for a thousand percent. I, I, I was out at like 160%, the last of what I had. Yeah. I was scaling out on the way up 20%, 40%, 80%, whatever it was, and then held a few. Like that's how that's, you do it. That's, that's how, how it works, you, man. I just hate to see people. I just have to see this misconception of like how it actually works because it's not how it works and that's never going to be how it works. Like you yeah. could start a you could start a hundred dollar YOLO account and throw and just with the expectation you could lose it all and hold and and maybe you make a shit ton of money. But I don't. Know. Yeah, you might make a shitload of money. You might lose it all and then maybe start another one and then make a shitload or lose it all. But if that's the system you want to do, that's the system you want to do. But if the system you want is to actually make money consistently than holding for, you know, anything over, like if you haven't taken profit by the time it hits 25, 30%, then like, I don't know what you're doing at that point. Like you got to cut some, at least when you're up one fourth, 25%. Um, yeah. Like that's a lot of money. If you have any type of size in the position. Um, it's totally understandable too. I think, especially with a small account, you kind of get discouraged. Okay. I'm up 20%, but what is it? 10 bucks. And yeah. people have that mindset of like, I need to hold to make any kind of money. Well, it's not really how, like I, I we say it all the time, but the percentages are so relative as your account grows. Those per percentages grow like 5%. You need to compound. Exactly. 5% to you now could be 10 bucks, but five, but that 10 bucks is then a hundred, a thousand and so on and so forth. And if you don't practice discipline and, and have any type of rule set you'll you'll never really get there so yeah that was how because i started the small account really really disciplined because i tr i've traded options for a little while now and so i started 
the account knowing that I had a strategy that would work. And for, I don't know how long, eight days I did it. Like I did it a week and a half, eight days. It was working just fine. I was getting 3% a day, 4% a day on the account doing that strategy. And the moment I experimented a bit was when I got absolutely fucked. So that just like the beginner traders, if they, if they were to experiment, if they were to try to learn a new strategy, I have a feeling they're going to get absolutely whomped on. Um, Because if you like, if it's something you're not confident in, it's really easy to just see it fail five times before you even have any success. And with options, that's going to blow up your account. If you have five big fails in a row, that's going to blow up your account if you're not managing it well. And I know a lot of people, beginners are not managing it well. Yeah. And like those home runs just happen, dude. Like you can't, I mean, if you're going searching for home runs every time or trying to hold shit for huge gains, it's just, I mean, the, the home run plays just happen organically. Like the home run plays happen. Okay. You're scaling out on the run up and you're holding a very small portion and maybe it goes crazy. Yeah. You already paid yourself. You already made your money. You scaled out 80%, 85%. You have 10, 15% left. That's, I mean, then you start making real money, but you already made your money. Like exactly. you can hold some, sure. Go ahead, adjust your stop, all that. That's how you actually do it. Exactly, man. Um, just a reminder, everyone: give us a like, a subscribe, follow us on Twitter. Um, all the links are in the uh, the bio here. Comment, Leave just give us a little bit of exposure. On, uh, yeah, on the podcast platforms like Apple and Spotify, that actually really helps us. Um, it helps a lot. Um, also, something I just want to mention to go off that. Any feedback's always appreciated. Like, I know we saw a lot of feedback, like, oh, the quality's so much better, this and that. Like, w- that's great. We love to hear that. And be honest, too. Like, if if you want to see some or if something's not right, then let us know because I, we're really only, like, 16 episodes into doing this. So it's, Yeah, not that much, man. It's it's grown a ton over the past, I guess, what? What is it? A year, maybe? In, uh, more like eight months. No, I don't think. Don't we start in you- May? Can we start in May so or like, June? So like seven months, six months. Damn. It's been like six, five, six months. Shit, dude. It's felt like it's been a year that we've been doing this. But mm-hmm. I think, yeah, we've come a long way. We got this dope-ass um, overlay now. We're getting a cool intro. You got a better camera. I'm getting a better camera. Our sound is getting cleared up. Oh, the one thing is, is I wanted people to comment. Um, people, like guests that you want on, comment who you want and, you know, We'll go, we'll go try to harass them in the Twitter DMs a little bit, see if we can get them on because yeah. some people like want to come on and don't have time. Some people we can't get on, but we'll try our best. Yeah, it doesn't have to be like, I mean, we're open to doing whatever people want. Like you don't have to pick the person that has the most followers. We want people yeah. that, we want to bring people on that we like or that. Valuable. Yeah, can, can send a good message, have a, a lot of useful information so it doesn't have to be the biggest dudes on twitter or females or whoever for sure we're also looking at people outside of stocks so if there's anyone outside of stocks that you guys want to see on the halts then you know drop their at or something hasbula this is your official call out russian can somebody send him a message (laughs) dude i love that guy dude He's so fucking funny, dude. Every time I, I post him, somebody says, is that a kid? No, don't disrespect him like that. That's I a grown-ass man. Too. That is a grown man with some fucking That's fighting grown power. Man. He's got, I bet you when he kicks, it kind of hurts. Oh, I'm just saying. Bro, you know where he's he's like nut level too. Like you're getting a punch yeah. right in the nuts. He's going to kick your shin too oh, real me. hard. Dude. Oh, yeah. 
It's like a He'd scooter to shin. the shin. Yeah. <laughs> you would bruise your shin and then take your nuts out in a swift combo right there. You don't even think twice about it. <laughs> yeah. What are you drinking, man? Oh, I got the classic, dude. I don't know. I've been craving these. I have not had these in forever, but... Good high news, Oh, you can actually man. see what I'm drinking now with my new camera. Before, yeah. it was just a fucking blur. I have... Oh, you want to see all the drinks I have? Okay, I have that. I have this. It was... Uh, you know what Deep Eddies is? Yeah, it's yeah. Grapefruit like, vodka with like club soda. I have a, a coffee and my big ass Yeti. What else do I have? Damn, cranberry juice. I have a bottle of water. Ant likes variety, everybody. Yeah, my desk. I promise, my desk not a mess. I just have six drinks for some reason. You got me looking out at my desk. I got some masking tape. Oh, what else do I have? I have a I got extra ball. gum. Ooh, a golden one. Is that it's, gold? Yeah, dude. Anyone, any golfers? I have a gold vice golf ball. That's so fire. I don't know if you guys can see it. Probably not. That's dope. I have like eight things of chapstick because my lips are gigantic. I have, what else do I, I got? I got these, these sexy post-it notes to put on my desk. I have a weed patch that I need to put on my bag. Ooh, yeah. I got a lot of shit over here. What else do I got? Yeah, that's about all I got. I got a little notebook, but my mouse is sitting on it. I'm drinking these. I sent these to my Discord, like the picture of it. It's kind of dope. It's like a feather, I think, is the design. Yeah, I can't fire. Yeah, there's another one. I'll probably drink the other one next week. But if I don't know if you can read this or if it's the other way, but it's a cherry maple pancake flavored beer. Um, it says right here, it's a sour ale with cherries, vanilla, and maple syrup. I haven't even tried it yet, so I should probably try it. It's either going to be really good or disgusting. Oh, shit, dude. I don't think it fits in my... Oh, dude, it's too tall for the can. The first can I've ever had that doesn't fit inside of the uh, Frost Buddy. It's too tall. I don't know. It's not the... It's not like a normal tall boy. It's like taller mm. and skinnier. Mm. Um, anyways, though, I'm going to try it because they were... Get this. Oh, it's nice and foamy. I don't know if y'all... Oh, I'm going to turn my camera. It's nice and foamy up in there already. But um, I went to the, the liquor store to get some like bourbon because I wanted to try something that someone recommended me. Mm-hmm. And these were on sale from $15.99 a can down to like six bucks. So I had to grab a few of them. But uh, $60 a can? They were supposed to, it's supposed to be like really limited edition of some sort. Maybe they ripped me off. Maybe I just got absolutely ripped off horribly, but I'm going to try it. Gross. I taste the maple syrup. Yeah, I don't know. I don't, I probably wouldn't fuck with that, honestly. I don't think I fuck with it. I think, let me try it again. I don't, dude. I don't even really like like maples. Just not, I don't know. I feel like I don't think you're gonna see me drinking a lot of that. But good thing they get it for sixteen dollars. <laughs> for dude, for sixteen bucks, I would not fucking touch that. It's I've had a lot better sour ales than that. I like sours a lot, so mm-hmm. I've had quite a few of them. Um, yeah, the maple syrup fucks it up. It's it's a decent like tasting cherry sour ale. Tastes kind of like um, I don't know if anyone knows what Big Grove is. They have a, a berry one. It tastes like that, but then there's maple syrup on the end of it, and I no, just doesn't bro. go together. I'm not mm-hmm. I'm not trying to have a maple syrup flavored beer. That's too much shit going on. Yeah, it would have been just fine with the cherry. 
Yeah, way too Ugh. much going on. Oh, dude, I had somebody... Oh, yeah, before I forget, I had somebody message me saying, if me and you are actually fighting the other day on Twitter, when you t- we were tweeting about the asshole, <laughs> I said, dude, dude are no. you... Come, I mean, like, come on, that, like, we're, we were very clearly just joking. <laughs> Anytime I ever tweet anything that's not positive, it's a joke, just so anyone knows. Like, yeah. unless, unless I'm, like, trying to help people out, like, if I'm being like, hey, don't, like, listen to people who are stupid... That's me trying to help people out. If I tweet anything that's like not positive, then it's probably me fucking with like SD Hillion or like Ant or like sometimes I fuck with who else do I fuck with? I don't know. Sometimes I just mess with people on there and just like tweet stuff underneath their tweets that are funny, but also kind of dickish. That's that's just jokes. Yeah, dude. And then some you said something about the SEC and the dude thought you were serious. He commented out of my tweet. I said, bro, come <laughs> on. <laughs> but we have never I have never, like, uh, of all the people I would ever call the SEC on, you would be the last. Just I so mean, you know. I would hope so, considering I don't, I literally <laughs> would find absolutely nothing. SEC, this guy over here. They, they investigate fucking my fucking idea. Twitter. It's literally has full of screenshots and videos, and that's it, bro. <laughs> they, like, pull up into court, and it's like, why did you post this? And it's yeah, Hasbula. It, they think you're pumping some Russian stocks. Literally, bro. Like, I'm some spy. that's so funny oh shit dude all right we got bullets versus bullshits um we got some good names here the name that we just talked about the one that we were uh, apparently fighting on about twitter is the first one f cell so how are you feeling about f cell right now ants um this has been my favorite thing to play to be honest um and i'll tell you why because so I've, if you're in my Discord, you know I've been playing this, and I tweeted this a few times that FCL and IWM are married, and the reason for that is um, IWM has the biggest holding of FCL, I think, if I remember reading that correctly. So um, at at the moment, and for a while now, those two have been married. If you go, if you look at the charts, they're pretty similar. So it's it's relatively easy to trade at the moment um and i've been honestly trading it in both directions so like i've been playing it off key breaks um a strategy i use a lot is um when something breaks the 90 ma intraday daily in either direction it's very hard like if you look at the fsl chart now once it broke through the 9 ema on i think it was the 17th or 18th of november it's been trapped under that 90 ma for a while eventually fell through the 200 fell through all moving averages but a really good strategy and if you look on the opposite end when it started that run on the 28th of october confirmed off the 90 ma two three times it's just a very very good strategy to use and intraday especially it's very very good to use so um not to get off topic but i've loved f cell recently i love f cell in the future um it was just a it was at the mercy of the market the last few weeks, I think, um, sure. especially with this infrastructure bill, all that. Um, really love your F cells, Jivo. Do you see that huge contract Jivo had? Yeah, dude. AMTX. Jivo and AMTX are fucking gonna be ballers in the future. Yeah, dude. All these, I love all these. I want to add all these long. Like I, I want to invest in these. IRA baby. Yeah, these um, are IRA pieces. But love this, love this, love this long term. And I love playing it. So, so we're bullish. going bullish. Yeah, yeah. So, if you guys know me, um, you know that cup and handle gets my dick hard. Can I say that on the podcast? I don't know. People might get mad at me. 
Might as well. Um, it makes me very happy. It makes me extremely ecstatic to see a cup and handle because I'm a big believer that like charts go in trends. Like um, bull flag is really hot right now. I've been talking about this. I don't know if anyone else actually thinks that this is true. Maybe this is my own idea and I should write a book on it. That could, maybe this is my big break. I think charts go in trends. So bull flag, I think sometimes works more often in the market when more people are looking for them than um, you know, like the next week when less people are looking for certain charts. I don't know why. I just have found this recently that like certain trends work a lot and then certain like charts don't work a lot for certain weeks. Like it just depends. A lot of fails on certain charts, some weeks, a lot of follow throughs on some charts, other weeks. Um, but the past like four months, I've noticed cup and handles have worked out really well day trading and swing trading. And FSL has a massive cup and handle on the daily. Um, and it's also like symmetrical. There was a cup on the other side and handle if you go look at it backwards. Um, and so I think this is bullish completely. And also if you look at the um, the VVPR or VPVR. Volume um, profile. Yeah, volume profile. There's a massive shelf down at like 725. Um, and so if it can stay above 725 for a hot few days uh, that'd be kind of enough confirmation for me to think that we're going to see eight here soon and then after we see eight i mean eight sixty eight fifty is going to be a level the 200 ma is at 832 um and then probably again up at nine is going to be rough but i'm actually liking this a lot for a breakout of the cup and handle and there's some big big room for it to move when it breaks out of this cup and handle um when it breaks out i mean usually the cups the 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 breakouts go above the the top end of the handle and the top end of the handle is 1140 right now so there's a lot of room i'm really bullish on it i'm holding i got a 750 average right now um people in my discord know i've been on it since i think like eight something that we've been averaging down um and i averaged my last piece at like eight or 680 something so i got like nearly the freaking bottom but yeah i'm really bullish on this i like it a lot yeah um yeah same very bullish on it. i was i was pretty bullish on it on the sixth when um that was monday i think when it that big ass wick off that yep. demand zone at 670 um that's kind of how i knew you saw buyer step in right away only problem yep. looking at it is just it has a lot of overhead um of it's through 735 that was a really big node to get through through 750 very big node to get through um right now just flirting with 760s really needs to reclaim that and hold above that and then i think you're pretty clear to eight um i agree pro only only problem is uh 90 ma sitting right at eight dollars i mean that'll that'll move here in the next few days but yeah i mean we also got to see where the uh like the market goes too, because if the market gets gets hot and we see all time highs within the next week, then I mean F cell is likely to start a nice uptrend here. And even if the market goes bad after that, then F cell could maintain its uptrend. Um, you know, if if it gets strong enough. But yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of overhead up until like nine thirty, nine forty. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that's rough. The next name we got is is another kind of big name that's been all over Twitter. DWAC, the Trump. Um, what is that? Is it the Trump like new social Some media? media yeah. I need to do more research into what the company actually is. Um, but I think for me, I'll go, I'll start on this. So I think for me, um, love or hate the guy. I think Trump has a huge poll and I think that DWAC is probably going to dude, look at, I didn't even see this. The daily candle on today from DWAC. Mm -hmm. 
wow, man, it's a big green candle. Um, but yeah, I think Trump has enough pull that this might, you know, make another run to a hundred bucks and sit there, dude. I really think it could, which is really crazy considering that's 10 times above what the negotiated like value is, but that's a Trump effect, baby. Um, yeah, like I said, love or hate the guy. I'm not going to give any of my opinions on him on here. I don't want it to become political, but I think I think Dwok is uh, is is primed to you know make a run with the people who love Trump and the people who remember the Trump market that he brought us when we bounced back from uh, from COVID. He helped that. He uh, tweeted about it all the time. So I think people are you know going to keep buying into the the idea of Trump running a social media, whether it's going to fail or whether it's going to be you know awesome and be the next big thing. Um, yeah, I think I think Dewak has some room to, you know, just move to 75 and then maybe even, you know, another run towards 100 is what I'd be looking towards. Um, that'd be like a day trade, though. I wouldn't scout. I wouldn't swing that at all. So I'm going to say bullish, but I'm not like I'm not willing to swing it. I'm not confident enough to add it to my swing portfolio and hold it. What do you think? Um, It's so hard with these these new chart like these fresh charts it's really hard to because yeah, you just don't have that much information to go off them but really nice last two days over your moving averages um really the only thing i see in its way right now is 69 bucks and at the 23 fib over that obviously we'll go right to 70 um needs to break that big psych levels just uh but honestly, I, I agree. There's just so much room, and there's really not much overhead. It's really over. There was, yeah, there was some overhead at like 62.5, 62.6. It's already through that. Um, only other overhead I'm really seeing is right at the 23 fib. So I think the 23 fib is probably the most important level of resistance. But after yeah. that, it, it could run. I wouldn't be surprised. I saw it had a really nice day today, and people on Twitter were all over it. So um, probably not something I'll play, but. Look at that desert from like 74 bucks all the way up to like 85 too. If it were to hit, like if yeah. it clean breaks like 73 or 74, it could just coast all the way to 85. Yeah, there's nothing that would there. Be easy. That's dude, if you go look at PFE this week, that was what I I played PFE um PFE puts this week because there was like a volume desert from I think at the beginning of the week it was more substantial. It's like 53 to 51. I this was on my yeah. watch list. That's the only reason I know. I played the literal shit out of that because I saw it break 53 and then confirmed with like an hourly candle and yeah. I just slammed puts but like that, that volume profile you pushed me onto that is so helpful on these kinds of things. It, it shows you the shelves and then it respects the shelves so nicely. Yeah. Um, volume profile VPVR is great. It's just like a essentially another support and resistance tool. Yeah. Like all these indicators are, you're just trying to use, um, use whatever indicators. I'll give you the highest probability of success. So just it's, I mean, it it works very well. It's, um, and I know you love it and I love it and, but uh, yeah, works out. It works well. This beer's kind of growing on me. Not gonna lie. Oh no, it's like I'm eating a pancake. Dude, you know what? I never what? thought I would say dude, that. You ever man. put peanut butter on your pancakes? That's the best. I do that every oh, time. Dude. Peanut butter. And then the hot syrup on top of it. Ooh. I said so I said that to my one buddy. I'm like, dude, the best top we were out to eat. We went to breakfast. I said, bro, the best thing to put on those pancakes is peanut butter. He said, That's disgusting. He said, What are you talking about? It's like a peanut what? butter sandwich. How like, is that disgusting? And then the maple syrup on top of it makes the peanut butter you know, all like. But you know if he tried it, he would have liked it. 
I'm it's like, like the same thing as like when you do like a honey and peanut butter sandwich. That's just so good. A little bit of sweet with peanut butter goes so well. You get the hot peanut, peanut butter. butter hot, oh my god, that is so good. Like a grilled peanut butter and jelly, or grilled yeah. peanut butter and honey. Ooh. So good. All right, Fubo. Fubo's the last one. I gotta pull up the chart here. You can Fubo, go first. Love this stock. Um, we've been playing this in my Discord. I know. Shout out to my boy Transit. I don't even know if he listens to this. I think his name's Anthony as well. But he absolutely destroys Fubo every time. Um, again, big time gap down. I think due to earnings, and then followed by a big ass flush on the. Uh, and then was just kind of at the mercy of the markets uh, under the 90 MA. And I tweeted to my, or didn't tweet, I put it out to my Discord. I'm like, listen, I love this over the 90 MA. Like the chart looks great. The chart looks really good. Um, had a really, really nice day today. Broke over the 90 MA. You saw ran to like 20, over 20 bucks. Yeah. Love. I absolutely love anything that breaks and reclaims the 90 MA. So I expect continuation into this tomorrow. Um, only problem is has some overhead on the way up towards $21 yeah. um, and then a shit ton of overhead. What what essentially happens with VPVR is you'll see if something's in a downtrend um, or something flushes hard, you'll see a shit ton of overhead at those areas and you can see there where this flush, there's a lot of overhead. Um, so it kind of will be an uphill battle, but I am really bullish on Fubo. Yeah, I like Fubo too. Um I kind of think it's a double bottom. I just, I feel like I'm going to disregard that weird green candle back in, uh, what is that? What day is that? May 11th. It's like this odd candle that opened really far gap down and then just boner it up. And I'm going to disregard that kind of an outlier. Um, so I think it's a double bottom right at, uh, what is that? 1635. Yeah. Yeah. 1635 or 1630 double bottom right there. Um, and so I think, I think this is pretty bullish. The overhead, um, Fubo can move quick though. Fubo sliced overhead before. I've watched it. Um, it's also sliced. Um, what would you call that when it's below? <laughs> overhead, but below, like um, basically just supports. Yeah, it's just essentially support. It's sliced it before because I've watched Fubo for a long time here just to see. I've watched it this entire downtrend and it's sliced through. Um, so I think it can slice through the overhead. And once we get through this, uh, this 20 moving average, which is sitting right at 2118 lines up with that shelf above that kind of resistance. Um, I think we got some room to move all the way up to, you know, 25, 26, which I like a lot. They PR uh, so pretty often bullish. too. So yeah. What'd you say? They PR pretty often as well. So yeah, they could get something big about gambling or sports, the Super like that Bowl kind of thing. Oh yeah. Super Bowl, man. Yeah. How are you feeling about NFL this year? Well, I'm a Steelers fan. Probably not ever. Like, I need a new team, bro. Big Ben's going, though. Yeah. Dude, he's so bad this year. Bro, he's my, like a walking trash can. Like, and I don't mean that as he's bad. So he just bad. looks like one, dude. Dude, this He, same. like, literally is, like, fucking wobbling around, and then he throws a ball and looks like he's out of breath from throwing one ball. It's the same shit every year. The Steelers have a fucking half-decent record not ever good enough to win a Super Bowl or a playoff game, get a bad pick in the draft, same shit every year. Yeah. Oh, dude, all my sports team sucks. I'm a Steelers fan, a Yankees fan, and a Sixers fan. It's just misery, bro. Like, I don't even... It's <laughs> At least the Steelers had, like, a few Super Bowls back when we were younger. Yeah, back when I was, like, six. <laughs> <laughs> That's true, man. <laughs> 
I'm, I'm a Vikings fan, and that one year that Brett Favre, dude, he was going to win us a Super Bowl, and then the Saints decided to take his head off illegally. Sean Payton should go to jail. Sean Payton for jail. That's what I'm going to do. <laughs> I don't know, but um, yeah, the Vikings, man, this year it's Steelers play rough. the Vikings this week. Yep, Thursday night football, baby. Oh boy, we might have That'll to bet be a, a whole sh- dollar on shit it. show. Yeah, the Vikings aren't bad this year. They're just like they have all these close games where they just get beat right at the end. Like they yeah. could easily be like a two loss team right now, like realistically. But for some reason, they just can't. It's Kirk Cousins. I'll just I'll just say it. It's Kirk Cousins. He has no clutch in him. He's like a dad. He runs around like gee Willikers, man. Don't catch him. Don't <laughs> drop that ball again. He's just not good. He's just not good enough to win you a Super Bowl. Yeah, he, we need someone with the ice in their veins to where they're gonna like you know like get on someone's ass or like do some real shit where it's like prime time. But no, he's over there like worried that he's gonna offend. I don't even fucking know yeah. someone in the stands by moving too fast or throwing a good ball. Not looking forward to this at all. How, wait, how was <laughs> how was that pepper you had last week? Dude, horrible. My mouth hurt for like <laughs> literally like the hour or two afterwards, and we had to interview fucking stock swing alert when my mouth was burning dude dude that's so funny you what'd you why'd you pick it because it was the smallest it was the smallest and it was tiny and green and i was like oh this looks like a mini jalapeno this won't be hot Uh and then it was a serrano and it said it was like 10 times hotter than a jalapeno and it fucking tasted like it damn that's funny okay um i'll have i'll let you ask me first all right this is I get, I'm giving you a little bit of a softball here, hoping I get the same in return. What is the world's highest paid athlete in 2021? Oh, bro, the highest paid athlete? Yeah, all sports. All sports. 2021. I'll get. I'll even give you a hint. It's someone you know of. So it's like not anyone that like. I was someone is who I Con- saw. Is like, it Connor? Yes. Yes. Yeah, bro. I saw this. I think, but how? Are they taking into account like businesses and everything? I think they are taking into account businesses. Like I think like all of his deals that he gets with like like everything. Like for proper twelve, he sold it for a shitload of money. So I think that that is like accounted. Dude, Dak Prescott is number four. Dak Prescott made more money than LeBron James. Yeah, bro, the Cowboys have unlimited amounts of money. What? Yeah, I can't believe that he made more money than LeBron James and Tom Brady. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, my. oh wait! That leads me into my question. Okay, how many Super Bowls does Tom Brady have? Oh, dude, it's between six and seven, and I don't know which one. <laughs> I'm nervous, dude. Seven, right? Yeah. Oh, let's go! I was that was a fifty-fifty shot. I just had to. Isn't I had to act crazy? like I knew what I was talking Isn't about. Isn't that crazy? He has seven. Yeah. Holy fuck, dude. Seven Super Bowls. That's the most, like, that's more than any organization. Like, because I, I think the Steelers have six, Patriots have six. I think, yeah. Holy shit. Doesn't Bill Belichick, does he have more than Tom Brady? Or does he have the same no, amount? I think they won them together because Brady okay. won six with New England. I thought, okay, that's what I thought. I yeah. wasn't sure if he had one from before Tom Brady or not, but Mm-mm. damn, dude. All right, my second one's a little bit rougher, it's a little mm-hmm. bit harder. And I'll even give you a I'll give you a range. So from 2000 to 2010, what year was Tesla founded? From 2000 to 2010. Yep. Uh 2008. 
2003. You fucker. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Um, what is the capital of I Wa- hate these. <laughs> what is the capital of Washington State? You should know this. I don't know any cities uh, in Washington. Washington. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Dude, I'm, I'm all right. Some... I'll give you a different one. I'll give you a different one. Yeah, give me a different state. What? I get a I'll pass. Give, I'll like, give you a different pass. state. Okay, let me think. What's the capital of? What's the capital of Florida? <laughs> <laughs> Fucking Tallahassee. <laughs> You're right, actually. <laughs> no, it is Tallahassee. What, dude? For real? Yeah, it actually is, but how the For fuck real? did you get that? I don't know any capitals, man. That's like the cheat code to get me to have to I was going to ask fucking... you again the capital of Pennsylvania, but I know you wouldn't have remembered. Portland. Port- <laughs> oh, dude. <laughs> <laughs> All right, all right, all right, all right. Here's Portland, the deal. Pennsylvania? You give me one more, and that'll be my. So if if I get it wrong, then I'll do the challenge with you. If you give me one more, since I got a pass, uh, so wait. choose another state. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling hot. What is the capital of Nevada? Holy shit! Las Vegas is in Nevada, but it's not the capital. It's not Vegas. I know, that. I know it's I tell you right now. You're not gonna get it. No, Reno is in Vegas, but it's not the capital. Prostitution oh, not, happens there. It's not Reno. <sighs> Fuck. They couldn't have somewhere where you can get a prostitute be the capital. What's the capital of Colorado? There you go. Because you were not gonna get that. It was Carson City, whatever that is. I don't think it's Denver in Colorado. Fucking Durango. I don't fucking know, dude. What's I lived in Colorado, and I don't even know the capital. Wait, yeah, you lived in Colorado. How do you not know the capital? I was, like, fucking, like, 10. Oh, young. Like, what is it? Is it fucking... What is it? Give it to me. What's your guess? I said... I said Durango? Oh, what's Durango? Grand Junction? Fuck, oh, what's dude. Denver, bro? What? I... That's too obvious. That was too obvious, dude. Well, if it makes what you feel any better, fuck? I don't know any capitals. So, I'm going to ask you a capital next time. All right. I'm wheel bringing, time? I'm bringing the wheel over. Wheel of misfortune? All right. I'm spinning her. I'm sweating in fucking... Oh, my God. It's shots. Uh, How many shots? Wait, one shot each? Yeah, I said one shot each because last time you got a little twisted. I have. Oh shit, what is that? Oh shit. I've never seen that before. It's actually really, really good. But I don't have a shot glass. Is it like actual whiskey? Yeah. Oh damn. I got this bad boy. Ooh, I've seen that before. Yeah. To be honest, I hate tequila, so I'm just trying to get rid of it. I'd say tequila is my least favorite alcohol, if I'm being honest. Dude, that is a huge fucking shot glass. No, it's... <laughs> yeah, I'm filling it up, bro. 
I thought, okay, so the angle you had, it looked like it was like barely showing. So I was like, dude, that shot glass is no, huge. bro. It's like oh, almost the whole thing. I'm yeah. filling this thing up. Oh, dude, I do not like tequila. Alrighty. Oh, I'm going to read what this is supposed to taste like, and then I'm going to see if it actually tastes like it. It's when taste I taste like tequila, alcohol. I just taste pain. The only alcohol I can actually drink is like whiskey that actually I can be like, oh, that tastes like something. It says this is supposed to be spicy. It's supposed to have like jalapeno flavor in it. What the fuck? All right. All right. Cheers. cheers. <clears throat> not too bad. That was not very smooth, but there's no way that tastes good. There's no way. Yeah, there's no way. Gotta shake my face out after tequila, dude. <clears throat> some some about tequila that just like you get like the worst hangovers, fucks your dude, stomach up. I got a story for this one. When I was in high school before as youngsters do, I think I had like stolen an entire bottle of Jose Cuervo gold from my parents. <laughs> and do they know this? One of my I don't know. Maybe <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure if that's where I got it. I had a buddy um, that I worked with that would buy me like black velvet or something, but he wouldn't buy me Jose Cuervo for some reason. What reason it is? I have no idea, but I got it somewhere from my parents or somebody. And I drink, this was before I knew how to drink. So like now I know like, wow, a couple shots and Anderson is feeling good. Mm-hmm. I just thought like you just keep pouring your glass and putting orange juice in it and you'll be feeling good. Eventually I ended up drinking the entire bottle in one night and um, I ended up, I, so I woke up on the top of a barn and then had two black eyes for two days straight and was still drunk for half of the next day because I like literally pounded it so quick because we had to like leave to go to a party. So I was just like pouring my solo cup, filling it up with like, like three quarters Jose Cuervo. And then I just don't remember any of the night woke up on the top of my friend's barn, which wasn't really a barn. It was like a shed that was like flat. So it wasn't really that big of a deal. Yeah. But I woke up on top of there when it was like 20 degrees out, had two black eyes for two straight days. From what? My parents thought I got punched in the face. I think it was such a bad hangover that I had two black eyes. Like they like literally just like ringed up and like sunk into my head. And it was so since then, I don't drink any gold tequila ever. We're just friends. Don't play me. Oh yeah, baby. Sound like I left out the prom with my date. You did.